0: Wonderful to see you today. A few seasons ago, the NBA basketball team, the Philadelphia 76ers, traded traded several of their top players for future draft picks, and everybody thought the general manager had lost his mind. Stephen A. Smith tweeted, the NBA commissioner needs to step in people have lost their sanity in Philadelphia. But the strategy of the team was to get rid of some of the established players, get as many future draft picks as possible, and build a championship franchise. A few years later, the 76ers played in the Eastern Conference Championship, and there was a phrase that was coined in and through that experience, it, it's called trust the process. People in Philadelphia were saying, trust the process. Trust the process, which basically means things look really bad right now, but they're going to get better. We have a plan in place to get to where we're going. I, I can't think of a greater phrase to describe the Christian life than trust the process. Trust the process. God has a plan for our lives, and and there's a process that's in place, but sometimes what we see is the immediate losses rather than the future wins, and it prevents us from understanding we got to trust the process. The book of James chapter 1 talks about this. It says in verse 2, "'Consider it great joy, my brethren,' My brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. In other words, if you want to have a mature faith, if you want to have a dynamic faith, there's a process that you have to go through. You have to trust the process. Nobody builds a great faith when everything is easy, when everything's going the right direction. There's a process that's involved. The passage of scripture we're going to look at today is found in Psalm 56. King David penned these words in the middle of a great, great, great heartache. In the middle of his life, David is panicked. David is overcome with worry, anxiety, and fear. We've been talking about... The panic attack, the panic attack series that we've been in. And and last week we talked about from Psalm chapter 3 how King David had to flee the city of Jerusalem because his own son Absalom tried to take the throne from him. There was a coup. David narrowly escaped with his life and maintained his authority. But it was out of that that he wrote the words of Psalm 3 about trusting God. Well, Psalm 56 is kind of like that. It's about another, another scenario in David's life where he's facing overwhelming odds, incredible adversity, and he comes to some great conclusions about God in and through that. Now, the book of Psalms is the Hebrew hymn book. These are, these are lyrics and songs that are written, and the ancient Hebrew people would, would stand and worship by singing the words to these songs. And so David was was the king of Israel, the second king of Israel, but he was a great great poet, he was a great artist, and he was a great songwriter as well. And and he wrote these words in Psalm 56, verse 3 and 4. When I'm afraid, I will trust you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid what mere mortals can do to me. In other words, trust the process. Trust the process. I want you to see three parts of the process that God wants to work in your life. And the first is, when I'm afraid. Number two is, I will trust him. And number three is, I will not be afraid. Trust the process. Now David wrote these songs about the problems that he went through. Many of the, the Psalms are... Are from particular situations that King David was facing. It kind of reminds me of in pop music, we have different artists that write different songs about different subjects. Like if you hear a Taylor Swift song, it's always about a breakup. I've never, I've never heard of anybody have so many breakups, but she, but she gets best-selling albums out of all the breakups. I mean, so, you know, she's writing some great music. I don't know how her relationships are going, but, I mean, she is writing some great songs. Beyonce is always writing songs about female empowerment. John Mayer is always writing songs about being depressed. You know, he released his album not too long ago called Sob Rock. David, David wrote songs about predicaments he was in and how his faith in God grew and expanded. He's speaking out of the rich experiences of his own life. And he begins by talking about when I'm afraid. When I'm afraid. Now, fear can blind you. You know, when you get afraid, sometimes our eye gets taken off of the ball. And we begin to look at all the problems. And fear has a blinding effect. Anxiety has a blinding effect on us. And we, we forget God's purposes. We forget trust the process. We forget God is maturing my faith. And we just see all of the problems and all of the, the things that are upsetting us. But David admits he's he's going through a difficult time. In fact, if you look there in verse 1, he says, Be gracious to me, God, for a man is trampling me. He fights and oppresses me all day long. My adversaries trample me all day, for for many arrogantly fight against me. David says, You know what, God? I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Now, David was a king. He was a bad warrior. I mean, he, he, he he was a gifted individual. David was not just an artist. He was not just a songwriter. David was a warrior. He was a general. And back in 1 Samuel chapter 17, he takes down Goliath, the nine-foot giant. David was a bad dude. He was a man's man. David had a lot of testosterone in his body. But he was still afraid. And don't you love the honesty that David expresses himself with? And he says, you know what? I'm a great warrior, the hand of God's on my life, I'm still nervous, I still get afraid, I I still don't know what to do with myself, he doesn't act like he's not afraid, but he admits his frailty, and he he admits his need for God, and he says, the first part of the process is when I'm afraid, and we have to get honest with God, and we have to say to God, God, I'm dealing with fear and anxiety and, and, and uncertainty. If you read the whole psalm, in verses 1, 2, 5, 6, and 7, David talks about how people are coming after him. I mean, people are upset with David. People are trying to find fault with him. His friends are turning on him. David flees for his life, and he he runs away. He doesn't even have his own sword. He doesn't have an army. He doesn't have food. David's got nothing. He just literally had to run for his life because Saul was after him. Now Saul was the first king of Israel. Samuel the prophet anoints David as the second king of Israel, but he can't tell anybody because if Saul knew that David was already anointed, he would kill him. But Saul is still jealous of David because everything that David does is blessed. The hand of God is all over David, and he gets envious, so he starts to come after him. And in this psalm, it's very interesting because you have the oppression of Saul But you also have the fact that David runs to the land of Gath for refuge. What is Gath? Gath is the the Philistine uh, empire where the Philistines lived. That was the homeland of Goliath. And David makes a very difficult decision. Do I stay in Israel and worry about King Saul coming after me? Or do I go to my enemies and hope that they'll have mercy on me? And David decides the latter. He actually goes to the very people that he has defeated, the very people that he has killed their greatest warrior, Goliath, and he asks for some help. And in that situation, David puts on an Academy Award performance. He acts like he's insane. He allows slobber to run down his beard. He begins to say crazy, crazy things. He begins to act like a madman because, in that culture, if you killed somebody who was insane, uh, they believed that really bad things would happen to you. So, David, in in, a, in a, a a very creative moment, he plays the insanity card, and and unbeknownst to us, the king of Gath feels sorry for David and lets him go. It's crazy, isn't it? But the theme of Psalm 56 is the fear of man. And in David's heart, he wrestles with the fear of Saul and the fear of the king of Gath. And he comes to the conclusion that he is more afraid of those men than he is of God. Let me ask you a question, man. Do you struggle with the fear of man? Do you struggle with with worrying about the approval of others? Do you struggle with the need for, for recognition or the need for acceptance or 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 the need for honor or the fear of criticism? If so, maybe you're struggling with the fear of people. And David said, I don't like this about myself. In fact, when you read uh, the account in, in 1 Samuel, the emphasis, and it's kind of implied in the Old Testament narrative, but The idea is that David actually didn't seek God when he went to the land of Gath. He just kind of did that on his own. We don't find any record of him praying or seeking God. He just is in a panic mode and then he runs to the enemy king. And, And upon further reflection, David comes to the conclusion that he was more fearful of man than he was of God. Do we need to have approval? You know, one of the reasons that we give in to peer pressure is because we have the fear of man, the fear of people. Sometimes we associate peer pressure with teenagers, but I have found as an adult that adults succumb to peer pressure as much as teenagers do. Would you agree with that? There's kind of that tendency to kind of do what the neighbors are doing or everybody else at the office or... To kind of be like, you know, our, our kids' friends' parents and, 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 and that's the fear of man. Do we, do we revere God more than we do people? Do we care about the opinions of God and what God says about us more than we do what the people down the street say? When we live with the fear of man, we second-guess our decisions, we disobey God, we judge our self-worth by the opinion of others, We are indecisive, we have a lack of self-confidence, we become timid when we should be bold, and we have a whole host of other problems. And Proverbs 29 describes the fear of man like this, the fear of mankind is a snare, but the one who trusts in the Lord is protected. Do you see the contrast? There's a snare, which is a trap, and there's protection. When we fear God, when we serve God, when we live in awe of God, we walk under God's protection, but... We succumb to the pressures of our culture when we live by that snare, that, 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 that fear of mankind. That fear of mankind. we got to trust the process. See, when you're going through some stuff, God doesn't want you to just live in fear. He wants you to trust in the Lord. And that's the second part of the process. I will trust you. He says, first of all, when I'm afraid... And by the way, we cannot take fearful situations away in our life. Did you know that's just part of it? You know, we think, well, you know, I won't be afraid when my life is better. I won't be afraid when circumstances change. God has a better solution. You're always going to have fearful situations. What God wants is for you to grow in your trust in Him so that when adversity strikes, you can handle it with a greater capacity. See, that, that, that's the key. When I'm afraid, I will trust you. Now, sometimes we think, well, if I'm fearful, then I can't trust God. But did you know that fear and faith can dwell in the same heart? I'll tell you. I mean, I've, I've made some courageous faith decisions in my life, but I've never done it without any fear. There's always been that voice in the back of my head, the second-guessing. Ryan, are you sure you want to do that? Is that really going to work out? Is that really what God said? Maybe you've listened to that voice before as well. And so living by faith doesn't mean that you, don't, that you have the absence of fear. It doesn't mean that fear is never there. What it means is you, you, you have fear, but you live by faith anyway. And, and this is the conclusion that David comes to. Look, look at Psalm 56, verse 3. When I'm afraid, what? Say it with me. I will trust in you. Yeah, do you see it? So when I'm afraid, do I panic? Do I freak out? Do I lose my mind? Do I handle my anxiety the way that the world does? Or do, do I do the latter? Put the verse back up there again. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. I will trust in you. That, that's, that's the solution. That is God's solution to our problems. So we trust God because his power will never be exhausted, his faithfulness will never fail, his love will never wane, and his goodness will never run short. Now, let me give you a couple of reasons why you can trust God because you may be saying, well, pastor, that sounds cool. Trust God. A little harder to do than it is to say. Let me give you a couple of reasons why We should trust God. Number one, we ought to trust God because God is worthy of trust. I mean, he really is. Do you believe it today? God is worthy of our trust. Unlike people, he never lies. He never fails. Uh, He has the ability to bring to pass every plan and purpose in his will. I mean, God is worthy. He's worthy of our trust. And here's the other thing you don't have a better alternative. (laughs) I mean, if God created the heavens and the earth, and if God put the planets in motion, and if God created your life, is He not the most qualified person to help you when you are anxious? Come on, somebody. Is that true? Is that right? There is no greater alternative. Well, I want to trust in myself. Yeah, good luck. Try that for a while. See how that works. Yeah. I want to talk to some other people and see what they think I should do. Well, that may help for a little while, but, but it ain't going to do for you what God would. And in Psalm 56, verse 8, <clears throat> David gives us a reason, another great reason to trust God. You yourself have recorded my wanderings put my tears in your bottle are they not in your book just think about those words for just a minute you yourself have recorded my wanderings you put my tears in a bottle god cares for you why can you trust god god really cares i mean god is intimately concerned with the details of your life god puts a, a bottle up next to your cheek to catch the tears that are cried. God knows the areas where you hurt. God is really concerned. That's why we trust God, because God really cares. Sometimes we just have this idea that God's in heaven eating snacks and watching Netflix while we struggle. I mean, how much would it be really begin to change our relationship with God? If we begin to see every problem and every adversity through the vantage point and through the lens of the fact that God really cares about me. God cared about David. God cares about you. He really does. He cares beautifully and wonderfully. And you only write things down that matter. I mean, he says right here, God wrote it down. He wrote it down in your book, verse 8. You have recorded my wanderings. I mean in other words, God took notes on you. You only write things down that really matter, right? Like you have a written document, maybe when you buy a house or when you sign a lease or you you, you purchase a car or, or you know, we have written documents. Things that are written down are things that are significant. On your calendar, you have b- birthdays of family members, you have anniversaries, you have other key dates. You write them down because why? They matter. And God is saying to us, you really matter. You matter. Why do we trust God? Because we matter to God and God really cares. It reminds me of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. It says, casting all your cares on him because, say it with me, he cares for you. Yeah, in other words, you can give God the weight You can give God the baggage that is weighing you down. You can cast that on God. You can give that to the Lord because he cares for you. God really cares. God cares when you get a bad report from the doctor. God cares when you're struggling to pay the bills. God cares when you go through a breakup. God cares when you're worried about a lawsuit or a bankruptcy. God cares when you didn't get the job. God cares when you face great, great problems. God really cares. He cares when you're discouraged. He cares when you're overwhelmed. He cares when you're confused. God cares. Why do we trust God? Because God cares for us. He really does. And his love won't run out. And because he cares for us, we can cast all our cares on him. Now, one of the greatest ways to understand God is to look at the person of Jesus. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So let's take just a minute to look at the ministry of Jesus, how he cared about people. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were weary and worn out like sheep without a shepherd. And it says Jesus cared. I mean, he felt compassion for the people. He felt compassion for them. They were weary and worn out. I want to submit to you today, Jesus cares for you. Jesus sees you when you're weary, when you're worn out. And you're thinking, man, I don't have enough energy to get out of bed. Jesus cares for you. In another gospel account, Mark chapter 1, verse 41, it says, Jesus saw a leprous man and he was moved with compassion. Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. I am willing, he told him, and he said, be made clean. I love that passage because Jesus heals the leper because why? He was moved with compassion. Jesus really cares. How would it begin to change our mindset? How would it begin to change our relationships? Our attitudes, our our patterns of our life, if we just, if we really believe that Jesus really cared about us. Jesus met the big needs and the little needs. Jesus did it all. We got to trust the process. When I'm afraid, I will trust you. And look at the third part of that process. He says, You know what? I won't be afraid. I will not be afraid. Isn't that amazing? When we begin to trust God with the problems in our life, fear begins to exit. Fear begins to be something in our rearview mirror. We begin to move on from fear. We're trusting God. It doesn't mean that the problems went away. It means that we replaced fear and anxiety with faith. I'm trusting in God. Are you trusting in God? Are you believing in God to get you through the problems you're facing? He says, I will not be afraid what mere mortals can do to me. In other words, I will fear God more than I will fear man. It's part of God's character. I will not be afraid. One of the reasons why we shouldn't fear is is because of just God's nature. God's nature and and his character. I mean, look there in verse 9. Then my enemies will retreat on the day. When I call, this I know God is for me. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that God is on your side? Do you believe that God is advocating for you? Do you believe that God is really for you? The Apostle Paul echoed this in Romans 8.31. He says, what then are we to say about these things? If God's for us, who can be against us? Many biblical commentators believe that the Apostle Paul is quoting King David in Psalm 56. God is for you. Did you know God wants you to do well? God wants you to find your purpose. God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to be successful at fulfilling every purpose that he has put before you. If God is for you... Who can be against you? Who can be against you? You know, last year I watched one of the high school state championships games online. And it was the weirdest thing because there were no cheerleaders. There was no band. There were no fans. It was like a glorified scrimmage where both teams wore their uniforms. It was just the weirdest thing. And I thought, how hard would it be to to play when there's nobody yelling, there's nobody screaming, there's no fans, there's no nothing. It's It's just, you know, the players on the court and the coaches and all that. Well, Friday night I went to a high school football game and I was reminded how magnetic and how energetic it is to be at a live game. The band was playing. The cheerleaders were doing their thing, whatever cheerleaders do. The the palm squad was going crazy. The parents were yelling at the refs. It was awesome. And there was so much energy. In the back of my mind, I was like, I need to get some pads and try and get on the field. You know, when you're a player whether it's basketball, football, or whatever you're playing, and people are yelling for you from the stands, do you play a little bit better? I think so. Absolutely. I know if the cheerleaders called my name, I ran faster. I believe that. It's true. I want you to know something today. God is cheering for you. When you're running the race of your life, It's not like nobody's watching. God is in the bleachers. God is pulling for you. God is cheering for you. God's wearing your number. God is wearing your colors. And I wonder how much faster we would run if we really believed that God was on our side. God is committed to your success and to your power and your strength. If God's for us, who can be against us? In Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. That, that, that's a reflection of the character of God. Why do we trust God? Because of God's character because of God's it is in God's nature and we could talk about a lot of things about God's character. We could talk about the fact that God is for us. We could talk about the goodness of God. We could talk about the justice of God. We could talk about the power of God. We could talk about the righteousness of God. But the character of God is one of the greatest reasons, one of the most compelling reasons that we should trust him and the reason that we should put fear and anxiety beside us. Amen? David gives us a second reason, though, to trust God. It's not just God's character. It's also the word of God. It's God's word. He says, I will not be afraid because of God's word. Look look at Psalm 56, verse 10. In God, whose word I praise in the Lord, whose word I praise in God, I trust. I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid. He says, I trust in the word of God. See, if you want to have more faith and more trust in God, we need more of the Word of God in our life. We do. We need verses like Romans 8, 31, if God's for me, who could be against me? We need that maybe etched on our desk at work or maybe somewhere on the wall at home, amen? We, we, we need more of God's Word, don't we? Deuteronomy 31, 6, and 8 are two of my favorite verses. Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid of them. For the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. And then if you skip down to verse 8, the Lord is the one who will go before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. That is, that is the word of God. Wow. You want to talk about uplifting. You want to talk about encouraging. You want to talk about a blessing. So we can trust God because of God's word and God's character. And these things fuel faith and they help us trust the process. Trust the process. Man, I want to say that to you today. Whatever's going on in your life, trust the process of God. The process is life is hard there's some struggles. I'm afraid. That's number one. Number two, I will trust you when I'm afraid. And then number three, I won't be afraid any longer because I trust, because I trust in you. God is opening doors. God is working while you are resting God is your greatest fan. God is your greatest cheerleader. And that's why today we can trust the process and we can push anxiety, fear, and worry out of our lives. Would you join me for prayer?